Hey guys, welcome to episode 10 of the Redeeming Church podcast. I'm Andrew. Today, Mike and I discuss the D word, doubt. Can Christians have doubt? Where do you go with doubts? We also give our younger selves some timeless wisdom and talk about how Mike's marriage almost never began thanks to some well-placed sarcasm. Let's dive in. Good to be back. Good to see you, my friend. Andrew, it is always a good time to get together to do this uh, podcast. Always a good time, especially when it's snow apocalypse in the last week. It is. It is snowmageddon, baby. It is. Uh, as, at least at the window I'm looking out right now, it's slowed down, but there's more to come. That was pretty serious last week and 10, 12 inches. You know, we're, we're yeah, that was that was a lot. And in, uh, in Arkansas, we would have called that the blizzard of 78 <laughs> in Wisconsin it's a Tuesday. It's just a, <laughs> uh, and it gets, it gets more fun, too. We have uh, uh, this cold front coming. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> by the time this podcast gets uh, thrown out there, maybe maybe we'll have long since passed it. But it's going to be cold. Andrew, have you seen the weather for this? It's going to be cold. Oh, man. Yeah, what? Sunday is five. High five, low negative five. Yeah, yeah, not as bad as the polar vortex from a couple of years ago. No, no, that is uh, that's gonna be hard to top. Where if you walked outside, you're just insta freeze. This is where having a dog was so great uh, at the beginning of the pandemic because uh, walks were good, and, and having a dog means you had to go out get some exercise. It's true. Now having a dog in this cold winter, uh, yeah, I think we're we're we're. We're in for some rough times. Should have gotten a cat. Should have gotten a cat. Self-sustaining animals. That would have been smart. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yep. That's okay. Mike, you brought in a good uh, icebreaker question for us yes. this week. I'll ask you first. Yeah. In honor of your 30th birthday. That's right. A couple of weeks ago when this is released. Happy birthday, my friend. <laughs> uh, 30 years old. So you have all the wisdom now. Yes. Getting a little bit of gray. Ten years ago, when you were just a young buck at 20. Yeah. What would be one piece of wisdom and advice that you would give 20-year-old Mike? Uh, I, I got one. I got I got to tell this uh, real quick. Do you know how how I knew that I was stepping into a new decade, how, how I knew I, I was getting older? I signed up for a conference uh, the other day. Gospel Coalition Conference for anyone who yeah, knows what that is. And uh, they ask you your age, but they ask it in brackets, right? So I realized as I was signing up for this, you I was no longer in the, the 20 to 29 bracket. Brackets. I am in the 30 to 30. That's when it hit me. Yes. Always fun. I am I am older. Always fun. But a piece, a piece of wisdom I would impart to myself. So uh, I've I've not told you yet about the uh, the first date that my now wife, Cora. And I had at the time, which uh, I'm very fortunate that she sells my wife. Clearly went very well, right? Uh, no, it went, it went poor. Uh, the, the piece of wisdom I would give to myself uh, would be don't be overly sarcastic on your first date. And uh, that, that got me in some trouble. Um, kind of the, the, I was nervous on the first date and someday maybe I'll, I'll give the whole story, but to give a tidbit, really nervous, was really excited because this was, this was the girl that I was really looking to, to, to date and go out with and went to downtown Milwaukee where there's a, there's a Collectivo by the lake, shout out Collectivo. Mm, yeah. I like Stone Creek better, but we're, uh, we're by, uh, we're by the lakefront there. Right. And beautiful, uh, beautiful spot. Yeah, oh, it, it, well, date spot. that day it wasn't. That day there were there were dead fish uh, kind of all over the place. 
Uh, there were there were seagulls who were flying around, making their rounds. I thought I thought we were gonna get pooped <laughs> on. Umbrella. But but even but that none of that was worse than than the the number of times I was just sarcastic and sassy with my wife Cora. And so, uh, to make a long story short, here's what ended up happening. Because the, the date was not going well. Uh, I'd already done some things that uh, made some jokes that that did not land. Uh, I told Cora that I was going to for the next sarcastic comment. Um, say like 10 nice things about it. That was kind of a youth group thing we were doing at that point. And, uh, and, and so then I, I, you know, said something sarcastic and I started to uh, then form a list of things, but uh, you know, I'm an internal processor, right? Andrew, sometimes I, things I take a little while. So I got to like four or five and uh, I needed at least a few more minutes to think this through. I'm still nervous. So the words that came out of my mouth wa- no. were, wow, this is really hard. <laughs> And Cora took that as, uh, you can't think of 10 things that are nice about me. And, uh, and I was like, no, it, it's hard because I can't, I can't think. Uh, so, okay. So that happens. And this happened a second time where, where I kept on trying to, to name off things. And then again, I said, wow, this is still really hard. So I guess in addition to, to the, not being sarcastic, I feel like the second time is really, well, that, like, that's, that's worse. That's right? the miracle right? that you made it past you, date one. You can apologize for the first time. The second time, however, so that I feel as if the wisdom here is don't be sarcastic and also don't be an idiot, right? That's that's probably how, that's probably the advice I give to myself, uh, you know. Um, yeah, then thankfully, shout out to my wife, Cora, who is still still with me. Uh, <laughs> we made it through dating. So to 20-year-old, you, you would have said, you know, take your time to think through. Yes. But instead of saying this is really hard, say... Man, there's just so many I need to, I got to narrow it down to just 10, right? You know, my Myers-Briggs says that I need to just take a moment to think about it. That's that's what, uh, you know, be prepared with those responses, right? Um, Andrew, what about yourself? I mean, because you're, you're a little older than me. You, you've been in the, the, the 30 decade for a little bit. A little older, a little wiser. A little wiser, a little yeah. Here. What wisdom would you give to, uh, to, to yourself 10 years, you know? 23-year-old me, I would say... Um, you know, I was trying to think of something clever and funny, but I think that I would say, well, I'll back up and say my dad sends me a lot of articles uh, to read and most of them are pretty good. One of them a while ago in college when I was really struggling with a major, uh, cause I, you know, switched my major six times as a good millennial does. Hey, there you go. Um, if I graduated in five and a half years, they, this article was an interview of several thousand centennials, people that lived to be a hundred and just talking about their life and um, successes, regrets. Mm. And among the regrets were these top three or four came up time and time again. The first one was they would have worked less hmm. and not like had a poor work ethic. Just people, you know, throw themselves out their work and work and work and work. Sure. They would have spent more time with family, conversely with the work and just general, general relationships, spent more time with people. And then they would have sit back to reflect more. Like, you know, sitting on the porch on a rocking chair, just not, not go, go, go. Mm-hmm. I think every generation mm. thinks that they're very busy and each successive generation thinks they're busier than the last one, which may it's be true. true with technology. But so I think I would tell 10 years ago, me, two of those, at least two of those things, I think I strike a decent work-life balance, professional and personal, but I would, I would just invest, invest in relationships more from a younger age. Just people, right, are all that matter, especially mm. in ministry and with Christ and the cross. Like, it's about people. Yeah. And bringing them to the Lord and just developing relationships that will last into eternity. So that, uh, instead of frivolous things. Um, 
And then, yeah, stepping back, which I still need to do now. I don't, I don't have a front porch, but uh, just sitting. I don't need to have my phone in my pocket on my person. I don't need to have the TV on. Just sit, either talk with my wife, play a game, or just like kind of be and look out the window for 20 minutes, you know? I think I just realized what I'm going to get you for your birthday. I think it's going to be a rocking chair so you yes. can... So you can be on your, your patio, just uh, sitting, looking at the neighbors. Yeah, I would like to build a deck. That'd be great. Oh, there you go. Rocking chair mm. out there. That's what I want. That's really what I want in life is a deck and a nice rocking chair. Mm. That that would... Uh, Glass of bourbon. Yes. I mean, coffee. Uh, yeah. Co- yeah. Mm. With a pipe. C.S. Lewis smoked a mm. pipe. Or he smoked See, cigars. That, that's what I'm doing with my 40th. I thought for my 30th I'd get a tattoo, but that, that didn't happen. But I think for my 40th I want to get a pipe, mm. you know, and, uh, you know, read some token, you know. Or at least pretend to read some token. Imagine that you are Gandalf. <laughs> yeah. Got the beard for it. So, well, enough with the fluff. Mike, today we are diving into uh, starting a topic that's near and dear to my heart, certainly. Mm-hmm. Uh, referenced in our last episode, but yours as well. And especially working with youth for the last seven years. Yeah. Something that you've probably dealt with even more on a personal and uh, ministry, ministerial basis. But the idea of doubt, yeah, of doubting your faith, doubting whether God exists, whether God is good, there's a number of things that you can't doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are your, some of your introductory thoughts on this topic? Yeah. Yeah, this is a good topic. And, and, and you and I just decided that we're going we're gonna to make this not just a, a one-parter, but a two-parter and letting that second-parter be a, um, for those who are listening to us, if you got any questions that you want to send our way, uh, we'll, we'll do our best to, to answer it as best we can. Um, we're not going to say that we have all the answers, but we, we definitely have some experience. Just most of them. Just just most of them. Um, you know, yeah, this is a, this is a topic that uh, really motivated me and us to start um, start this podcast because uh, I, I feel like when it comes to the subject of doubts in your faith, um, yeah, there's there's been this uneasy trend for for years now. Uh, but especially I've seen the last couple of years with students uh, who lose their faith, even after having a, a church life upbringing. Uh, at some point along the line, uh, whether they, they graduate from high school um, or, or later down the road, their, their faith just doesn't stick, right? They go to an intro to philosophy class and, and just like that, they come out atheists or they hear an argument uh, that questions uh, something about God and, and then they decide just to, to leave it. Uh, leave the faith altogether, or, you know, something bad happens to them, like they go through suffering, or they see other suffering. And this really just pushes them to, um, yeah, to, to question and wonder, is this faith real? And the problem is, is that they, they don't really talk about it. Uh, so notably, uh, the last uh, few years, there's been some uh, Christian celebrities, uh, basically dudes who, who've made money off the Christian, uh, the Christian product. Uh, they've come out saying that at some point that they, they no longer believed in the God of the Bible. And some of those notable people, uh, include uh, Joshua Harris, Andrew. I don't know. Have you ever read the book I Kiss Dating Goodbye? You know, I didn't. He write a follow up one about courtship, or there was another. Do you remember that? No. Uh, wait. Actually, I do. Yeah, I never read it. But yeah, I can't remember what it's called. But I think I read that one. Yeah. I okay. Well, dating, but. he did like a follow up blog post, basically saying how he he disagreed with his younger self. So uh, I guess he imparted wisdom back to himself. Uh, there was another pastor. Anti wisdom. Yeah. Anti wisdom. Um, there was a, a musical artist for uh, for groups like Hillsong, Marty Sampson, uh, Hillsong Worship. He, uh, he came out by saying uh, he no longer believed in God. John uh, Steingart of Hawk Nelson. Hawk Nelson was like the band that I grew up with. Um, I, that was like the Christian punk rock. 
and uh, well, the lead the lead guy for that, he came out, uh, Pastor's Kid, saying that he no longer believed in God. So, you, you know, you've seen, you have celebrities about this, even with my own youth ministry the last few years. Uh, I've known the students who um, who have had these these questions and doubts that just paralyze them to the point where they they no longer believe or it, it really impacts their faith. Uh, so anyway, that long explanation aside, um, I wanted to talk about this because, man, I feel like there there might be some Christians listening to this, hopefully, who are like, you're like I've got some doubts, too, and I don't feel comfortable in sharing them. Uh, like, what do, what do I do with that? And is there a way to redeem redeem doubts? Is there a way to grow? Can I still have a vibrant faith, even when I'm questioning some questions about God? And um, I thought it'd be kind of cool, you know, because you you talked about how we both have, I think, a topic that is near and dear to our hearts, maybe in different ways. But I thought, let's first share, you know, what's our what's our background in, in this? Why are we, you know, why would anyone take our, our words uh, as advice? Do you want to start with that? Do you want me to start? Because they haven't, because we're the first thing that popped up on Google and they got lazy. That, <laughs> yeah. That's why they would take that's our right. words. It's like, I guess I'll uh, listen to these here's guys. Here's one person thing. Don't look anywhere else. Um, and I'll say before I even say that is before even redeeming doubt, it's redeeming the mindset that we have as, as a church and in Christianity of just being okay with doubting, being okay with questions. Um, and that has been so many people's experience, especially just the last 60, 70 years. I think the church has gotten a lot better in it. But from what I've heard, I obviously didn't grow up in that time as we talk about. But so so often you hear people's stories of, we don't ask that question in church. Mm. Or you just need to accept it because the Bible says it or because I'm teaching this right. as your pastor. And those are not acceptable answers. And that really extinguishes anybody's courage to come forward and say, right, well, I'm not sure about this, but I'm not going to say anything now to feel ostracized and set aside when doubts, not only about the belief in God himself, but as Christianity, as, as the truth and the scriptures as the truth, um, certainly doubts about those things, but doubts about, about just things the Bible says and mm-hmm. being unclear and unsure, um, especially in this day and age. So just need to change the whole mindset around it's okay to ask questions. So my personal history with it, I just am, I, I couldn't even describe why necessarily, but the realm of apologetics just intrigues me and brings me in. 70% of the podcasts that I subscribe to are apologetics based. Hashtag STR ask Ravi Zacharias, International Ministries, uh, Jay Warner Wallace. Some of these guys, I just can't get enough of listening um, to answering a lot of these questions, these these fundamental questions about the truth of the universe and Christianity. And so, our next episode, you're just going to answer all the questions. And I'll next just... episode is just going to be me. Sweet, you can bring a cup of coffee. Awesome, and watch. Um, so, I just am really, really passionate about that, and I'm passionate about it because I think, and I actually just preached a sermon on this this last Sunday. The idea that it really frustrates me whenever. Um, Christianity is characterized from a blind faith perspective. Like just, you guys will just do whatever because the Bible says it or because your pastor said it or um, there's, there's just so many things, both in the realms of logic and reasoning, just thought experiments, um, really just thinking through things on more than a surface level. Mm-hmm. And then evidence, like when it comes to our scriptures in particular, mountains and mountains of these things that, 
as a church, we don't really teach our people and people don't seek it out. So they don't know. So for a lot of people, Christianity is a blind faith. Mm-hmm. And it's what I was raised with. And it's what my pastor told me when in fact, there's so much, there are so many good reasons to believe this from a reasonable standpoint, not from being a crazy zealot of the faith. Um, and so I, I just think those, and first, sorry, I, I felt you want, felt you wanted to break in there for a couple of reasons, not only um, to an, be able to answer other people's questions, as we're hoping to do here, to provide answers when other people have doubts, as followers of Christ, we have answers, but also for our own, right? How many people can trace their lack of faith or their, their stepping back away from Christianity to a moment, to a trial, to mm-hmm. a storm that came and, and it makes you doubt whether there is a God, Right, as we preach this right. get this God of goodness in Christianity, how can there be when this happened? And it is those factual, objective things that can so often answer some of these questions and keep us grounded whenever these storms can really rock us. Because storms happen all the time. Mm-hmm. Ooh, long answer. Go. I throw it back to you. No, no, that's good. And um, yeah, good to good to, good to build some cred, right? Because you know, if people are going to ask us questions here. We, we should, we should, uh, yeah, yeah hope, hope we should be well read, but yeah. you know, my story is a little different than yours because I, uh, so I have, I, w- I've just been born with a very skeptical mind about things just since, since I, I can remember as a kid, uh, I've always just been a questioner of things. Uh, I've never believed in certainty of anything. You never grew out of that why phase. From yeah, the right, right. The, the thing that I don't know if your kids still do that. Why? Yeah. Why? <laughs> that's that's me at that's me at thirty now. Because I said so. So when I uh, I started really following uh, Jesus, like truly, my senior year of high school, and uh, my faith became very real at that point, and uh, I went to a public university. Um, and one of the first classes I had to take was an intro to philosophy class, which uh, was, uh, I did a lot of philosophy in, uh, in college. In fact, that was my minor. Um, I didn't know that. Well, it, it, yeah. Well, I, I typically don't bring up a conversation because then people naturally ask, what do you got to do with that? And then I say, well, I'm a pastor. So uh, I'm going to sit around and think. Yeah, that's, I'm going to be in my rocking chair with my pipe. Um, <laughs> Answering the world's problems. <laughs> but I remember uh, my, that, the first, uh, that first philosophy class I had taken really sparked up a lot of questions, like really, yeah, just legitimate questions about the faith. And I think at that point, I, I came away going, oh my goodness, like, is, is everything that I believe about God, about Jesus, is it a bunch of, a bunch of crap? Is it, is it, is this, am I believing something irrationally? Like, like, and there'd be examples of the Christians who put their, their heads in the sand, right? Who were like, no, no, like, we won't listen to arguments of science. We won't listen to like logic. And I remember at that point, it really bothered me. And I thought to myself, man, like, is this, is this faith real? And I, I remember struggling and wrestling through that. And, and I'll talk about this a little bit later, but you know, I, I, I decided to wrestle with those doubts as opposed to abandon the faith altogether. And I think where I'm at now is I, my faith is stronger because of that. And that's been a big part of my life has been working through those doubts and, and being okay to ask the hard questions, but, and, and also being okay with not getting the answers right away, because sometimes you can't, but but yet still not letting that pull me away from 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 having faith and and like you said right we don't have a blind faith we we do have a faith that that does call us to trust God but not in a way where we need to shut our brains off right um, I feel like I, I relate to the the man in uh, in Mark chapter nine I don't know if, if you remember the story it's where uh, where Jesus has asked to heal a man's possessed son uh, he's asking Jesus to, to to heal the boy and. 
Um, and the father says to Jesus, if you can do anything, please do something. And then Jesus responds with, well, if you can, everything is possible for the one who believes. And I totally relate to how the father responds to Jesus when he says, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. So there's this tension there that I totally relate with. Like even at 30 right now, uh, I'm probably, uh, I'm, a, I'm the kind of pastor that will tell, I, I did this once at a, uh, uh, at a funeral that I was asked to speak, I remember saying, uh, probably one of the few pastors that if you were to come up and say, pastor, I've got doubts about this faith, I'd, I'd be the one to say, me too. Yeah, me too. Right. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, like, like you said, that, that shouldn't be, you know, that shouldn't be the case. I feel like we, we should be okay in the church of talking about the doubts, because I think the doubts when they're in silence, they have power there. And uh, case in point, that's why we want to get into this episode and, and kind of break this down a little bit. Um, yeah. And I'll say too, um, the, blind faith thing because there are things in Christianity and some things do come down to a a matter of some faith. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, we can't answer every question. We we can't look at a picture or video of Jesus Christ rising from the dead. We but we have lots of things to stand on that mm-hmm. these evidence after evidence after evidence leads to this conclusion that some would call faith because mm-hmm. there's not a the smoking gun to like, yeah, again, the video evidence would be like a smoking gun. I heard it put one time the analogy of an Olympian, Olympic swimmer. So if I were to ask you to hedge bets, which is a dangerous analogy because we're not betting on God. Ooh. But if I said, hey, do you want to bet that this guy will win the, uh, the gold in the 200 freestyle? For you to not know anything about this guy at all, his history and anything else, just that he's in the Olympics, you would say, well, no, probably not, because I don't know anything about him. I don't, he could be the complete, mm. like a complete underdog. I, I don't know his past and what he's done at other competitions. Um, so, no, it would be for you to hedge a bet on that would be complete blind faith. Blind, and really blind luck in a lot of ways. But then if I told you his pedigree and I said, well, actually, the last like three world championships, he's taken gold by like record five second differential and like oh, like set up these things you'd say okay based on the evidence and his prior history of what he's done i mean it's still faith because you don't know what he's going to do but there is good good evidence to mm-hmm. stand on to say okay yeah because of what you've told me what i see in his past and who he's been i i place my faith in him mm-hmm. as it were and that is god right we know the scriptures are true as we'll, we could talk about next episode or in the part two but because of who God has been and how he's come through and been faithful and the truth of scripture, we can trust uh, that it's true and that he and that he's going to continue to be who he says he is. So anyway, that uh, that analogy came to me. I like that analogy. Well, let's let's sit here before we get to answering you know, some of these questions or, or getting more in the thick of it. I think, Andrew, a good question to ask is, you know, for, for someone listening to this who maybe feels like a, a sense of shame or guilt about having any doubts. Like, is it okay to doubt? Like where, where do these doubts come from? Right? Like why, why do we doubt as people? Um, and, and I got, I got lots of thoughts on that one, but yeah, I want, you want to, you want to go in first? You want to, yeah, I can go in first. Um, so one of the first things that I thought about when you um, sent this question to me on the email is, uh, a quote from Vince Vitale, who's a speaker for RZIM, Rami mm-hmm. Zacharias and National Ministries. And he says this, the answer to any question is something true. There is a truth answer to any question that you could ever ask. And we may 
not know some of the answers and there be things we are impossible to know now. But as a Christian, we believe that all truth is grounded in God. Therefore, every time you ask a question, you put yourself in a position to learn something new about God. And so as believers in the faith, we are not scared of questions. We cannot be scared of questions because we believe that all truth is God's truth and that he, all truth is grounded in him. So whereas there may not be an answer on this side of eternity to every question, we're not afraid of any question because we think, ooh, mm. that question might unhinge our faith. Ooh, that question might counteract what the Bible says or what I believe. No, we don't believe that that's true. We believe strongly in what we believe about Scripture and Jesus, and there's no question that's too hard or often. I think that's why a lot of people have been turned away that brought doubts is because they faced an insecure, proud pastor maybe or, mm. or a spiritual leader sure. that yeah. didn't know. And rather than say the correct answer, you know, I don't know, but let's look into that together. Give me some time to look at it. They said, uh, yeah, we don't really talk about that kind of stuff because it's too hard and that's just unacceptable. Mm, mm. No, it's really good. You know, and it's a big part of, you know, I felt like I had a pastor who helped me to process through my doubts. And that was, that was a huge, that was, that was huge to have that as a resource. And in that way that you talked about someone who said, Hey, let's, let's look at this together, right? Let's not be afraid of, of, of digging in here. Um, you know, another guy that I've really benefited from, he wrote a book called, uh, help my unbelief. Barnabas Piper. Uh, mm. I don't know, if Andrew, if you if you heard that name. Barney Barb. Uh, so he is he is son of the great uh, John Piper. The great. The great John Piper. Uh, John Piper the great. <laughs> yeah. Conqueror. John, John the Conqueror of <laughs> Calvinism. Anyway. That's right. um, but Barnabas Piper uh, is, is his son and, and pastor's son, obviously, but wrote a book about about his Israel Sings with Faith. Totally recommend it. It's a great resource for any any Christian who who struggles with with doubt. Because uh, this was a big thing for him, um, just that with that wrestling. And you know, you think for for being John Piper's son, you'd feel like, wait, wait, like a guy like that can have doubts, totally. Uh, but here's what he says, and I and I, and I totally I, I totally think this is valid. Um, you know, doubts originate from the tension that we live in as we as finite, imperfect beings who are striving to understand a perfect and infinite God. We live in an age where we've got methods and processes that help us understand or simplify the world that we live in. And so when we cannot fully understand or when we cannot get answers to certain questions, this is when doubt starts to creep in. And, and yeah, like I, we are broken people who are trying to figure out a very complex God. And, and the reality is, is that we're not really good at that. I mean, we try to play God, right? And we're really bad at that. And, uh, you know, and it's the same when it, when it comes to trying to understand a, a full complex God. And that doesn't mean that we can't understand him to a degree. Like God gives us a revealing of things like Andrew, you've talked about already, you know, there are different things that I think God gives out there for us to, uh, to, to understand a little bit better, but yeah, God's a very, God is a God of depth. We're not going to understand everything. And in a culture where, you know, we always have, we, we seem to demand closure, right? We seem to demand answers. We seem to demand that there is a process. Um, sometimes that, yeah, that is not always the case with Christianity, which is why I think doubt starts to to creep in. But I think with the thing, though, you know, is it is it OK to doubt to go back to that question? Yeah, I think the answer is, yeah, absolutely. In fact, I would say that if you are a person of faith and you and you haven't had to, had to doubt once, I don't mean just like the existence of the existence of God, but I mean, in things of like doubting God's will for your life, mm. uh, doubting. Um, whether or not you can trust God, if you mm -hmm. haven't had to work through those things, 
then I, I think one could say that you you might have a shallow type of a faith there, right? Maybe a, maybe kind of a faith that you've kind of dug your, your head in the sand a little bit. Um, and I think that's something that in Christian culture, we, we have to we have to get to the place where it is okay for us to say, yeah, I've got some questions. I've got some, I got some doubts that are negative at me, right? I got some things that I gotta, I gotta work through. Um, and I think when we do that, I think what we create are beautiful opportunities to grow because we're, if we're actually doing the work of, of working out our doubts, of wrestling with God, of going to scripture, of, of going to others, of really doing the, the deep, hard work, I think what we'll find is that God's going to reveal himself in new, amazing ways they're going to help strengthen your faith. And I can say that as someone who like that has been the case in, in, in my life for sure. But yeah, I, I, I think it's, you know, it's a, it's a problem in Christianity where, where we feel like there is a question that would, that would take God off the throne. Right. Um, God does. Um, I had something that I thought would have been profound to say, but now it's not coming out. Perhaps it's not wait till 40. Yeah. Right. <laughs> then it will come, you know, you're, comment about shallow being a shallow Christian or shallow thinking that word has a lot of negative connotation to it and rightly so it's not good to be a shallow thinker or processor or um, not having thought about things I will say depending on where you are in your spiritual journey it's, it's not wrong yeah that right you, that you think and I you would say that as and, well and that's good for you to bring up yep but just to clarify that's that's okay if that's where you are especially right. if you're a young believer right um, if you I would say if you've been a believer for some time and there's no good number of years. I won't even say a number because there's not, it's all different for everybody. But if you've been a believer for a significant amount of time, um, either that means you have thought about these, but you push them aside because you're worried about the answers that they might unhinge your faith. Mm-hmm. But we're here to tell you don't lean into those because they will yep. make your faith stronger because there are answers. And the second thing is that if you haven't thought about them, then yeah, for sure you are not diving into your faith and likely not pursuing what it is to become like Christ, become closer to Christ, because these things will come up because they do for every Christian. When you really do wrestle through them and you think through your faith and what it is to follow Christ, these are unavoidable. It's, it is like a marriage. <laughs> there are so many reasons and ways that the comparison of the church and believers as a bride to Christ is like so right on, right? Because mm. in a marriage, if you're 10 years in, as my wife and I are, if we didn't have much conflict or anytime it was, it shoved under the rug or we're like, well, that might shake our marriage, so we're not going to really go there. How how drastically unhealthy is that? Anybody who's been married is like, yeah, that's a great way to ruin a marriage and to live a false life and not grow deep with your spouse. It's when we wrestle with those and work through them together that we mm-hmm. come out so much stronger. And so it's the exact same thing with our faith and with Christ. That's a really good example. Conflict can be can be healthy in, in some cases, and, right? And, and, and more than that, I mean, it is healthy. Uh, uh, Patrick Lencioni's Man, Five Dysfunctions of a Team, great book. And it I can't remember now which layer it is, but one of the base layers of a team, maybe second or third one, is the dysfunctional teams have a fear of conflict. Mm. And they do not, let alone don't handle it in a healthy way, but they don't handle it at all. And that is a great way to make a surface level team that looks okay often on the surface. And that is just like this ugly mess within. Mm. You know, this is, it it slightly relates, but I remember... When I had graduated college and I was I was coming to a crossroads on a on a decision 
as to uh, yeah what what I was gonna do with my with my job. What was the Lord's will for my job? Because I had, I had a couple of different opportunities. One was working here. Another was uh, was doing campus ministry. And I remember there was a good uh, one or two month uh, process where I was really wrestling with God. And I, I think not so much doubting his existence, but doubting whether or not I trusted in his will for me. And, uh, and I remember how the wrestling I did with that, the amount of time praying, the amount of time asking God to reveal himself. Uh, yeah, that was something that was really, man, really powerful and really helpful in my growth. And it related back to what you're saying, too. A part of our spiritual maturity is is being able to engage uh, with with these things and and being able to talk through, work through whatever we have to, and that that really is what what deepens the faith. And I, you talking about marriage, that's a great example, right? Um, and that that's totally the case for for our faith, right? Sometimes we're dealing with questions with God that. I, there, there have been times where I've prayed like, God, like what in the world? Like, what is this? Right. I feel like I've been doing that a lot for 2020. Right. Like, what was this year? Lord, like, why? Why? Let's, can we never go through this again? 2021 first month. Dang it. Um, <laughs> so that kind of leads to our second segment and final segment of this part one of the uh, two parter series here about doubts and apologetics. Mike, what are some of the tools out there as people wrestle with their doubts, uh, what should they do? What should they not do? Yep, yeah, they should go watch the movie God's Not Dead. Get no, it? Just kidding. Just kidding. Two and three. Uh, yeah, okay. They they made more. Um, okay, no, maybe not that. Uh, you know, nothing against God's Not Not Dead, but that was not my experience with my philosophy professors at a secular college. But um, I digress. Um. You know, when my in my freshman year of college, I uh, when I, I read the book "The God Delusion" by Richard Dawkins, mm. who's uh, who's a very well known uh, atheist, someone who is uh, I think a brilliant mind, um, but but very much against the the Christian faith for sure, and, and really goes out of his way to to not only say that you're you're wrong, but you're also uh, you also could be a little crazy. Um, his book had a lot of points and things that really drew up a lot of questions to me. And, and I remember when I was wrestling through that, one of the first things I did was I went to a trusted pastor and, uh, and, and he actually, this was my predecessor before I took the job here. And I went to him and I basically just laid out here, are all my questions about, about everything. And, and what was so great was his approach was not to be a, like, how dare you think about this or, Hey, just believe what I have to say. You don't have to think, no, like he actually, went down a process with me of really of, of, of working out these questions. We were really trying to look at scripture and different passages that related to the, the arguments brought up. Um, I remember this kind of pushed me to do, uh, yeah, to do a lot of Googling, uh, do a lot of studying. Uh, I was reading a lot of different books. I was really looking at lots of different counterpoints and, you know, really like bringing up questions that I'm like, okay, actually these are, uh, these are, these are helpful to wrestle with, or actually these are, these are, there are stronger questions than the one that Dawkins brought up, but uh, they have answers to, right? Um, just for, for me, the tool that I would say for anyone is, you know, you have a trusted friend, someone that you believe, someone who, who is a pastor that you can, uh, you can, you can consult with. Um, it doesn't mean that when you, when you meet with that person that, that they have all the answers. And now if they, if they seem to have a pride uh, part of them that says, I do have all the answers and, you know, it's okay to talk to a second pastor. I mean, they pastor. shouldn't be your spiritual maybe, mentor. Maybe. You know, it's another thing. But if you are going to a church and you and you trust in a in the spiritual figure over your life, um, I think that's a great place to start is to go go to that person and, and to really, yeah, work out um, those things. 
I think the thing to avoid, Andrew, uh, is to is to let the doubts simmer in your mind without ever engaging with them intellectually, right? So if someone brings up a, a question or you you have this feeling inside of you that that really paralyzes your faith, don't just let it sit there and 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 let it take a hold. Like it it is something that is it is uh, if if you're bothered by it, if there's a question, it's it's worth investigating. It's worth fleshing out. Um, I know of I know of students who. Um, they kind of grew up in a Christian home and they never felt like they had room in a Christian home to to bring up anything. And so they kind of grew up the the, the church kid. Um, and then they they let the questions linger and they never talked about it until later in yep. life. But that, that, at that point, they'd already just decided, you know, I don't need this whole God thing. I have other ways to 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 live out life. That was kind of um that was kind of John Steingard's uh, story, the uh, the lead singer from Hawk Nelson, who you know, I I've, I actually recently read his story again, uh, just about why he t- why he walked away from the faith, and it was kind of heartbreaking. And I and I, you know, feel for the guy. It seems like he's still open to that, but the reasons why he was walking away from the faith, he was a pastor's kid. Um, this was a, a process in his mind that had been the making for years. It wasn't just something that happened overnight. Um, he wasn't really honest about his doubts. He, he grew up in a Christian culture where you know if he he felt like if he had shared any of those doubts, he might lose his identity, his friendships, or in case, his case, like the market um, that, that his band was playing in front of. Um, and, and so he had some of the questions that he struggled with were like, why is God a, a jerk in the Old Testament? Or, or why does God allow suffering? Um, why did God do certain things in scripture? And these aren't bad questions, but the, I feel like these are questions where there are actually responses to it if you do the work and study uh, and, and not to dog, not to dog John Steingard, but it is just like, there are definitely hard questions out there for sure. But I, I think from my experience that there are, there are answers to those things. Sometimes not satisfactory answers. I'll give you that, but there are definitely answers out there that, you know, when we, when we don't touch the doubts, man, like those, those can, those have a way of really being a thorn on your side and creating a, I think a faith that's not well rooted to where the first person that says like brings up an argument about the faith you've never heard before. Like if that's enough to blow you over, then, then you probably didn't do enough work, uh, into, into the, the deep questions of, uh, yeah, of whatever that might've been. Yeah, man. And I think that you have to, you need to do some self-analysis, um, when you start to have some of these questions and especially what you just said does, it's one is one seed of doubt is one comment or one book from somebody from an alternative view going to just completely blow you over from your faith. So you really have to ask yourself, am I a cynic or a skeptic? And Ravi Zacharias does a good job of differentiating these two that even talks about in his own ministry. So I think I said this on another one of our episodes, the definition of these two and the difference, but a, Skeptic is somebody who is genuinely seeking the truth, and when they hear it and recognize it, they will believe it, no matter what it is, even if it's contrary to what they have thought their whole life or whatever whatever mm-hmm. it may be. A cynic is somebody who will not accept the truth even when they hear it <laughs> and are maybe even convinced of it. There's something that they, they're not going to follow that. And so Ravi talks about how he in particular, has all the time in the world for skeptics and no time in the world for cynics because cynics, the conversation goes nowhere and they're not really looking for the truth. They're looking to convert you or to have an argument. And skeptics are are looking for what is real. 
And so in your own heart, what are you? Mm-hmm. What are you? Are you seeking the truth? Are you seeking answers to help grow you closer to God, to help learn what the truth is? Or are you looking to burn Christianity to the ground, <laughs> you know, yeah. in, in that sense? You know, I think I think there are, are also individuals, if they're being very honest, maybe they grew up in a, in a Christian environment, but they never believed in the first place. Yes. And they're kind of looking for an out. Yeah, uh, that could be the case too. And you know, that's the thing about the gospel is mm-hmm. I think why why I still believe, even though I, I fall into that skeptic, why I know a number of people who still believe is because they felt the gospel actually transformed their life. Like they made their faith their own. Yep. And 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 really made Jesus their priority. And then I know people who they never really accepted it and they were kind of looking for a way, a way out to kind of like rule their own life, right? And right. that's that probably falls falls more into the the cynic. Right. right. So, right. yeah, no, I think it's a good distinction. That's, that, that self-analysis is a big part of it. So I'll just say a couple more things real quick as we wrap up this part one of uh, tools out there when you're wrestling with doubts and maybe things to do or not to do. Can agree more with you about seeking out trusted spiritual mentor, which is often going to be a pastor. Certainly. Um, even that. Yeah, well, as with anything that a pastor or anybody ever says, don't just take their word for it, but start there and dig into things. In this day and age, we have the internet, which is a double-edged sword, right? Yeah. So you can go anywhere and you can find anything. So don't just go like randomly all out search for everything anywhere about your questions because you're going to find things on both sides that are out there. But, and I'll say a few right now and then we'll talk more in the next episode about it, but go go Google search YouTube to their websites for, for certain people that are trusted that speak into these things. Uh, I'll try not to say his name anymore unless you grow to hate him, but Ravi Zacharias is a great example. Go Google that. Uh, go to their website on YouTube. They've got billions of clips of just, and you could type in your question, Ravi Zacharias, why is there pain in the world? How has there got like anything? Mm-hmm. And there will be answers. Uh, Jay Warner Wallace, who we mentioned this episode, is another great apologist who dives into some of these uh, somebody's question, Greg Kokel, who uh, founded the organization Stand to Reason, is another great, great voice that speaks into a lot of these questions of doubts that people have. So, uh, Tim Keller is uh, yes, that's a, he's he's written a couple of good books. Uh, I think related to yep. the reason for God. Yep. Uh, he's wrote a couple off of that that are very very good yep. and like well, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Maybe not maybe not so much from the uh, from the apologist uh, perspective, but definitely like a. a a pastoral view yes. on these things. That's another, yeah. Yeah. And in part two of our episode, we commit, we commit to you that we will, we'll, we'll give you an even more comprehensive. We'll bring some book titles with authors that you can look at websites that you can go to uh, people that you can hear speak that really, really answer some of these questions. And really, if you go to a pastor, so like I heard this comparison once too, <laughs> we'll see Mike, if you agree with this, pastors are kind of like a family doctor. Um, a good pastor um, is about five inches deep and a mile wide, right? <laughs> Might have some areas that we specialize in or really are passionate about, but we're going to be able to address um, any given person in our congregation, their spiritual needs on any number of matters. But then if you start diving into real specific topics, like um, I want to know the history of the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament. And you're like, that is great. I know a little bit about that. More importantly, I know where to point you. Let's go there together. Hmm. So we, a good pastor is going to know good resources to be able to either send you or walk there with you. Yeah. And, and so we want to do that as good pastors. 
Um, we may not get paid like family doctors, but we are. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. I've, uh, Sorry, did I say that? No. I have a buddy who's in med school and they're telling me the debt they're taking out right now. But he's Oof. like, yeah, you've kind of paid off in two years as long as you're good with your money. And I'm like, someday, riches in heaven, baby. That's right. That's right. Our mansions, our crowns, they're going to be so big. Get it. Uh, his will be too. He's a faithful follower of Christ. Anyway. So we'll dive into that more next episode too, but there's just a very, very uh, brief introduction to some tools and and certainly, yeah, above all, right? Number one, what you just said, do not keep it in your own mind. Say it, say it to people who you trust who mm-hmm. can help walk in it with you. One of the greatest lies of the devil with anything we face in life, whether it's doubts about God or, or insecurities or just any number of things is that we are having somehow this unique human experience when in fact, if you pulled all of humanity, <laughs> right? Any given issue that you deal with, 80% of other people are dealing with it or have. Like we are not stinking alone in this. Mm-hmm. So don't act like you are and like other people aren't wrestling with this too. In a group of people in a room, if a speaker asks if anybody has any questions and nobody raises their hand, everybody's just waiting for the first person to put it up because they don't want to be first. Let everybody ask questions. Like everybody has thoughts, so so do not keep it to yourself. It's a good word there, Pastor Andrew. Thank you. Thank you. Good words with Pastor Andrew. Yeah. Yep. Well, wrapping up uh, part one, uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with part two, which will be good. We will. We'll dive into some, yeah, we'll answer some questions uh, as best we can. And certainly, as we just alluded to, point you to resources. So as Mike said already, if you have questions that you are wrestling with we would love to hear from you you can find our email in our show notes mike tell them the email right now yeah for any questions send it to uh fuse underscore mke at gmail.com one more time fuse f-u-s-e underscore mke at gmail.com for those of you who don't know fuse is our our student ministries group it's also how you light a bomb it's also yes so wait a minute some Probably some comparisons there. So please send us, obviously, anything when we talk about sending us questions, comments, concerns. That's the email in our show notes, what Mike just said. But especially with this topic, we've got certainly some questions that we'd like to address next week. But if you have any in particular, we would love to take those on. Um, So shoot those our way. Mike. Andrew, question. Maybe maybe this will be be a precursor for the next episode. But why why has COVID made, (laughs) made the church... Uh, frustrating. <laughs> Mike, we don't ask hard questions here. <laughs> That's a hard question. Uh, Mike, what are you thankful for this week, my friend? What am I thankful for? I am thankful for my wife that I am married to. Only took you 10 episodes and to say took, that. Well, yes, I think that was your first date. I was, well, it was, the first date was not good, but yeah, we, we held on and, and, uh, Four years into it, and uh, and still going strong. And uh, my wife is a big supporter of me, and, and put together a nice little nice little thirtieth birthday the other day. So that was that was nice. Thanks, dear. Mike, what are ten qualities that you love about your wife? Um, Just kidding. Too many to count, right? That's right. That's right. That's what I should have said. Man, that is accurate. I have already thanked my wife, so I won't do that again. Um, she's perpetually thanked every episode, even if it's not said. I'm gonna think. Uh, Diodario, um, this little device I've been working on in my hands during our whole podcast and often in my life. Diodario is a music company, and as I'm a uh, worship pastor and play the guitar, 
Um, anybody who does that knows you need to keep your good calluses ready uh, so that you can play for Sunday morning, three different sets, practice and first and second service, however many services you do. So sometimes I'll play piano in a week and I won't play guitar for like 10 days or something. And um, that's all it takes for your calluses to start to go away a little bit. And the next time you play, it's going to be a little bit painful. So Didario makes this a great little hand exerciser. Gets your finger strength going, but they also have simulated strings on the other side. So you just like sit there and push your fingers against them while you're, you know, doing a podcast, reading a book, going to the bathroom. This sounds like a, like a legit like sponsor, like sponsor. It ad, is. And it's like, like, dude, 12 bucks, sweetwater.com. Just look at that tooth shout out Sweetwater Andy Adario uh, best $12 you will spend as a guitarist I stinking love it so thank you Adario you did it well good to uh, good to uh, see you we don't get to see you or hear or hear you but we would love to hear from you podcast audience so as always shout out shout out to us send us an email um, or come to our church Come to our church, the Redeemer, in Milwaukee. We love to say hi. Uh, but until then, stay safe, stay warm. I hope you stayed warm because, yeah, we'll probably release this after the cold streak. But stay warm and safe. Until uh, next time, I am Andrew. And I am Mike. And this was Episode 10 of the Redeeming Church Podcast. <laughs>